Money, money, money. More money, more problems? This is where we talk about everything you need and want to know about finances, goals, relationships, and how they all tie together. You are now listening to the Two Cents Money Podcast. Enjoy. All right, we're back for another great episode. Welcome back to the Two Cents Money Podcast, where we give our two cents on your two cents. So, relationships and money. It's a taboo subject. A lot of people get a little scared to talk about it and dig into it. But it's a much needed conversation. So today, I have a friend um, and fellow podcaster on board. So uh, he goes by the name of Liquid or Professor Liquid. You want to give yourself a brief introduction to our listeners? Oh, yes, I would love to. Um, What's going on, everyone out there in Two Cents land? It is I, Professor Liquid. Um, I am a guest in the house of the lovely Stephanie today. So I'm really, really grateful. I'm humbled and excited to be able to give my two cents on the various subject matters we'll be discussing today. And as a disclaimer, everything I say today is just based on my perspective and my opinion. And I just want you all to consume it as such. Now, if there's something that I say today that's relatable or maybe even changes your perspective on something, then... No, that's fine as well. But please, you know, don't put the pitchforks down and, you know, hopefully we can all have a very cool and awesome conversation. I'm excited. I'm excited. No judgment over here. Yeah, no judgment. No yeah. judgment. Yeah. This is no judgment zone. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So yeah, so judging this, behind off. <laughs> right. Yeah. So this this is this is awesome. So seriously, thank you so much, uh, Steph, for, you know, considering me and bringing me on so that this is not often i'm sitting in the chair of the guests but it's uh, it's something i relish and enjoy quite a bit so this is cool yeah no problem i mean hey i went on your podcast so we gotta reciprocate it okay and we both have a lot of the same visions so mm-hmm. i think it's it's cool to partner up with fellow podcasters like yourself and oh, i appreciate um, it you know, for everybody listening out there, I think it's cool to have somebody like Liquid on this episode um, because he he has his own podcast. He focuses on mental health and just the awareness aspect and has such great substance on his podcast. And I think what we're going to dig into today really relates to a lot of the things that he talks about. And I don't know if I'm allowed to mention this, but I know you're pursuing, you know, your getting your license for mental health so i think that in itself is amazing yeah um just recently i just i just i made the decision um yeah we can talk about that yeah that's fine um so yeah recently i've decided to go back to grad school to pursue my my licensure and slash master's degree in mental health counseling um working with people helping people that is at the core of who i am and, and what i want to do and so i feel like that is the best way um, is to go through that avenue in order to help people realize that despite whatever traumas that they're dealing with, that they are still people at the end of the day. We're all flawed in some way. None of us are perfect. However, because of those flaws, you, you shouldn't, I don't want anyone to be defined by those, and I want people to overcome those things through deliberate effort, even if it's one step at a time. So, yes, I decided to uh, pursue my master's. <laughs> See, and that's how we relate because you're trying to help people on the mental health aspect. Right. I'm trying to help people with the finance aspect and no oh, yeah, judgment very at all on either side. Right. And the nice thing is is that 
they're both relatable and this is how we're going to jump into our topic today because money and relationships relationships don't always have to be you know sexual emotional right um relationships relationships are you know I have a coworker and we argue because I, I keep treating her for Duncan and she don't pay me back. Okay, well, hey, that's that's a coworker relationship that you guys got going on over there. You got roommates, you got friends, family members. Money is a huge one of the top three causes of divorce in this country. And when you just take a deep breath and let that sink in. Like, you know, you come together with somebody, you know, you obviously have some strong emotional connection, even, you know, physical, whatever. Right. And, you know, we let money get in between something that could be so great. And it's just it's it's kind of heartbreaking because it's like, wow, that that's that's a marriage. What about you think of these households? You got the parent child relationship. You know, your parents are stressing about money. They're taking the stress out on the kids because they're like, well, I don't know how the heck I'm going to pay the rent this month. And I'm just pissed off at the world. Money cause it's not I'm not going to say money causes these issues, but money is the root of a lot of these problems that we see, especially when it comes to relationships. And that's why financial literacy is so, so important, because once we start getting our finances in order and our thoughts on money, we it tends to affect our whole our whole being from the inside out you're not stressing about it no more um i you know as as a person that used to be in management in my career i used to i used to look up articles on employee engagement because i you know want to know like okay how do i keep my employees engaged how do i get them to come to work yeah and some of these statistics were like i think it was like 60 something percent of of um you know people that are, are are working that are employed go home and lose sleep over money like le- like you gotta take a step back and be like wait wait Damn. wait so so people losing people losing z's over money like the i guess the pursuit of it right like i guess it's, or not having i guess not having enough or something uh, no genuinely like you know just just something about money is causing them to toss and turn, not be able to get their full night's sleep. They're stressing out about it. And what does stress cause? Stress causes health issues. A lot of you health know, issues. Stress causes a lot of different issues. And it it's really disheartening to hear that because a lot of people come to work. They have a smile on their face you would never, ever know. And here they are. By the time they go home, they obviously have some some challenges that they may be facing at home. And now they're losing sleep, tossing and turning because maybe they don't know how they're going to afford their next um, food shopping bill or their next uh, electric bill. So, you know, I think something to to kind of dive into. I want to start on the couples aspect of relationships and money. First. OK. And it was cool. So I did a little research because I like to do my research. I, like <laughs> I know, I know you do. <laughs> I know you always got your nose in some some information somewhere, some mm-hmm. book. So yeah, I'm excited. It was, it was what you got for me. My husband Eric always teases me because it's like I always want to throw out statistics and stuff. 
And I'll be like, you always want to throw out, you always want to throw out like your statistics, <laughs> your quotes. I'm like, Listen. you, you and your dang statistics. Like, what, what you got for me today? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got you. <laughs> oh my gosh, but you know, I'm all about facts, and numbers don't lie, and numbers definitely don't lie in my line of business. You know, like if you're coming to sit with me and we're gonna talk about a budget, and I see that you're spending two thousand on a food bill every month, the numbers don't lie. That's there. That is facts. So I was doing some research on um, a lawyer's website, so an attorney group, and they their, their specialization is in, you know, divorce and helping families and things of that sort. And they said that an annual income of over $50,000 can decrease the risk of divorce by as much as 30% compared to those wow. who have an annual income of under 25,000. So it makes me wonder, I'm like, damn, like I would never have guessed that. But when I think about that, you gotta think about the people that are on, that are making less money, right? Right, Come yeah. home from a hard day's of work, you know, you might be making minimum wage, because if you're making under 25,000, you definitely gotta be making minimum wage or something not too much far above that. Right, and right. Or you could be somebody who's maybe just working off of tips or commission, something like that. And you gotta think about that. So if you're a household that makes less than 25,000 or a couple, you gotta be stressing about money somehow, some way. You know, you have limited income, you, you have certain bills that you gotta pay. And I can I can definitely see how that's factual. Now, like I said, this this goes this goes into the whole the old saying, you know, how money can't buy you happiness. Um, it can, in a lot of ways, um, provide some. I, I want to mm -hmm. say, for lack of a better term, peace of mind, because you, you mentioned the basic necessities. As long, because there's a lot of people who are content with just being able to take care of the basic necessities, which is, you know, food, clothing, and having a place to stay and a yeah, um, yep. able-bodied transportation. Everything beyond that, outside of you know things like that, um, what else can money give you? Yeah, you can go on vacations and that sort of thing, but you know you see a lot of people who have this sort of obsessive you know relationship with money, saying they gotta have more, gotta have more, gotta have more. Well, what exactly are you pursuing? Because yep. you don't, you're free of debt. You you live in a really good neighborhood. Presumably, you live in a really good um, neighborhood. Um, your family is in good health. So you don't have many expenses to worry about, but keeping up with the Joneses, more stuff, more work, less free time, money becomes your master. There's a lot of things that can, can come about from having that obsessive relationship with money. Now, as far as couples go, um, oftentimes, most, we're going to presume we're talking about healthy couples. So healthy couples, um, when discussing money, of course, there's lots of things like budgeting, yep. or who, take care of, who takes care of what bills. The dynamics is different for every, for every couple. So there's no broad brushstroke that um, defines everyone. 50,000 is the new standard, right? I, I guess from based on the statistics, 50,000. I remember when I was a kid, if you made $50,000, yeah. you were rich. You lived in like a huge house. You lived in a huge house in the, at the on in the neighborhood, you know. You you had the two-car garage, you had, you know, the the nice bikes, the action figures and stuff like that. But it's funny how even though we a lot more people, you would say have a lot more access to money. It, it seems like the goalpost is moving on 
what is the definitive number you need to make in order to free yourself of so many things. And that's when a lot of people's ideologies come into play. One person could say, and one person in a relationship could say, well, honey, as long as we, we budget and just take care of our basic needs and then save, then we're good. The other person can say, this isn't enough. I want more. I want more. And that could lead to a lot of the, you know, uh, division you see mm-hmm. now where people are splitting up because um, they're, they're using, they're looking, some people look at money as a, uh, as a factor in determining how happy they'll be rather than using money as a yeah. tool like you would anything else. It's supposed to assist you. It's Absolutely. not supposed to be the end all be all. Yes. At least my opinion. And so another thing, so. I really like their website because they have all these lists of like numbers and statistics that they've come up with from working with clients and things. And the thing that they mentioned, which I was like, hmm, okay. So they said that couples that argue about money at least once a week are 30 times more likely to get divorced. So that literally can mean, you know, you come home from work. And, you know, oh, you didn't pay that bill today? You know, like, you were supposed to pay that bill, Joe. Like, you know, what, what in the world happened? Yeah. And all of a sudden, like, Joe's mad, you're yeah. mad, everybody's mad. People always, you know, go to sleep mad. So they wake up and they're still arguing about the same issue. So, like, that seems very realistic because I'm like, hmm. Like, I think about not really my relationship now because we've come to a good place where, uh, we both have the same visions and goals. Now, it wasn't always like that in the beginning. Um, but mm. as a mature couple, you have to come together and sit down and have those harsh conversations. And I feel like when you do, that sets you up for success. And I feel like I talked to a few couples recently. Um, and it's mm. funny how a lot of people feel... Like, they can't talk about money before they get into a relationship. And that goes back to the whole saying, oh, money is a taboo subject. No, it's not really that it's a taboo subject. It's we keep making it a taboo subject. Why do we keep doing that to ourselves? Yeah. So so what do you think? Do you think it's because, um, you know, why some people consider it taboo? Is it because of the emotional distress that that becomes attached to money? Because the thing is, if you mm-hmm. talk to, let's say, a wealthy person, um, they money is a, you know, banal sort of aspect for them because they have so much of it. They they don't they they're free of the certain stresses that yeah. working class people have to deal with. And, and then, of course, you have the dynamics of. Um, are you after me for my mm. money? If you're a very well-off woman or if you're a well-off man, um, cultural upbringing has a lot and, and, inf- and yep. other influences has a lot to do with um, the discussion of money. Some people believe that um, money is the prime important, is a, it's primarily associated with how successful you are, whereas other people um, do not covet money in such a way. And then uh, and often, and, and I'll, I'll even mention this, the, 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 one of the biggest elephants in the room is that the way we mm-hmm. consume knowledge about money. And a lot of us, uh, too many of us, excuse me, uh, consume knowledge or our pursuit of knowledge of money from romanticized oh, yeah. media that tells you, wake up, rise and grind. 
I personally, personally, <laughs> that's why I, that's why I prefaced everything I said to say go ahead, um, go that ahead. these are my opinions. <laughs> the, the, the rise and grind mentality is actually one of the most unhealthiest things you can do in pursuit of money. Um, I come from, or at least, well, I developed my, my, my own philosophy was a byproduct of the unhealthy philosophy mm-hmm. my parents shared when I was growing up. Wake up every day, grind. Wake up every day, grind. Work hard, work hard. But then when you see someone work 28 years at a job that they were loyal to and then they get like ah, a watch and maybe yeah. X amount of money in their in their pension, w- w- did you really work hard? I mean, working hard, there's nothing wrong working hard because I, I do believe the, the things that you invest your time and energy into, you should get yeah. the results of all of that hard work. However, when you wake up and work, because there was this video I saw um, of this kid, couldn't be no more than 21, 22 years old, works four oh. jobs in a single day from from 6 to 12, works at, uh, was it Amazon, I believe? No, uh, works, at the, works at Amazon. Then from 2 to 4, from 2 to 4, works at another job. Then an hour break, then from, or two hours break, then from 6 to 10, works um, delivering things. Then from 10 to 12, does Uber Eats or something like that. I'm maybe going out of order on the order of the jobs, but works four jobs during the day, wakes up at 6, or I'm sorry, starts work at 6, so he's up by 5 to go to his job. However, I will look at that sort of individual and say, well, while I I really appreciate that they work so hard every day, think about all the time that they spent during that day working. And you only sleep for four hours, more than likely, and that's not sustainable. That's not healthy for your, your body, sleeping only four or five hours a night. You're working four jobs. You're driving your car to all these different locations around town. Two of the four jobs require you to use your car to deliver things. Is, is it really sustainable? That, that's not a very sustainable pursuit because – in the end, like I mentioned before, the 28 years my, my dad worked, um, you know, in uh, for his company, yeah. and it broke his body down. Um, I believe in measuring twice and cutting once, and working smart, not hard. Now, if you're pursuing, if you're pursuing wealth and building for generations to come, or you know, diversifying um, mm-hmm. what you invest your time and money into, I believe that should be commended and should honestly be more of the natural pursuit of what we do. But this rising grind mentality, think about it. There's a lot of people, and I'm sure you know some people too, who go to their jobs every day and they work their asses off. Can I curse? I'm sorry. I I don't don't know if that's, is that okay? PG? PG? Okay. Um, Work their their asses off for a company. Meanwhile, let's say they make $11, $12 an hour answering calls at a Mm -hmm. call center, getting yelled at by hundreds of people every day. Meanwhile, the company, whether if it's private sector, will make millions off of the service that they provide. And if you look at how the infrastructure of a lot of workplaces go, you have your one percenters or upper management CEO executives, middle management, which makes about forty to 70000 a year. And then there's you. But who works the hardest out of all those people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see? No, just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, uh, but to you know, to illuminate more on the the couples arguing, yeah, more than more times than not, it, it, the arguments are about well, who's paying what? Did you have enough money? This and that and the other. Um, I would really want to see the numbers though. On let's say if the if the playing field was level and let's say yeah. you did you were you had enough income coming in to take care of all your bills, what would the money what would the money arguments be about at that point? 
if you take away the natural stress that comes with paying bills, because it seems like everything's getting more expensive anyway, and you you illuminated when you was on, on my podcast about how you know things are, are are slowly changing and you don't notice it because it happens in such small increments. Yeah, it, absolutely. The three percent. Yeah, it, it's it's I mm. when you, you told me about it, I looked up everything. I was st- I was shocked at how. Um, much everything is, is, is has changed. Um, go back twenty. You take a piece of bazooka uh, gum. You remember those? Yeah. <laughs> I remember when they were like a nickel. I would go to like Wawa, or I would go to like the little convenience store on the corner with my dad, yeah. and I would have a nickel or like a few little quarters, and I would be able to walk away with just like a little handful of candy. You go to those same stores now. Yep. That piece of bazooka gum is like sixty-five cents. Now, let me ask you this then: so, do what? So, what do you think has changed about the bazooka gum? Did the did the developers of the candy or, or gum did they did they make the flavor better? Did they increase the benefits of it? You know, of you chewing it. Is the is it more preserved? Like, do the does the products we consume now have they evolved? to where it meets our basic needs or is it just well a lot more people are making money let's capitalize on the money being made and make more of a profit from the same thing that has not changed in over 30 years if it's the same formula that is so me personally and from experience i think that the product is still pretty much the same but the thing of it is is across the board before i get Sidetrack, because my mind's always going. <laughs> Active minds, it's okay. Don't judge me. <laughs> um, like, the thing of it is, is that if you take a look at products overall, as far as, let's just say, desks, furniture, things like that, right? Over the past few decades, you can see the actual, like, decline in quality, right? You're paying more but you're getting such less quality and it's crazy because like my, my husband and I will talk about this. We're like, Mm-mm, we ain't going to Ikea. I'm not going to Ikea buy a dresser for, you know, $400 and knowing that while I'm putting it together, it's probably going to break apart because it's pressed wood. But then my mom might give me a dresser that she don't need no more, or she might offer like to give me a chair or something from her house. And she has this quality wood furniture furniture that now will cost so much more money but when she got it it was just a normal price because that's the quality standards that were in place same thing with the bazooka gum i doubt that there's anything better now than there was before and we just naturally pay more for it and i think with the society that we live in and our economic status in this country too and across the world uh even aside from covid i think the cost of providing those goods most likely affects the cost of those 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 items going up right. because you think of it too a lot of these companies now outsource which you would think okay they outsource it so they could 
They don't have to raise the, the price because the labor is a million the, the, times. They're not cheaper. doing it. They're not doing it out of the kindness of their hearts to provide exactly. to provide opportunities for individuals living in second and third world situations. It's yeah. to save money because as you, you, I think you touched on it mm-hmm. before I ended, um, jumped in. When you let's say you have a, a factory, um, you're a mid to up and coming uh, mid sized company, whatever your mm-hmm. good or service that you probably uh, a good. So it could be shoes or. Uh, cell phone cases, whatever. You have a hundred people now because of these people's um, different peoples who have different skill sets. You have to pay them a certain amount of money. Plus, you have uh, other labor standards like health insurance and so on and so forth that you have to provide for. So you have an overhead that you have to <laughs> stay under, right, in order to make a profit. But let's say all those people demand thirteen to fifteen dollars an hour per person because they're in a very in a very dangerous and risky situation, and they want to get paid for their time. I mean, I think the thing is, you know, money e- equaling time. Of course, a lot of people want to make the most of their time. So when you're making when you're doing something that takes up eight to ten hours a day of your time, on average, um, yeah. you want to make sure you're maximizing the most of it. So the the CEO is saying, "Ooh, well, this is getting kind of expensive. I'm a mid sized company." Um, I want to make money my first five years. <laughs> so instead of uh-huh. paying those 100 people living in the U.S. Who, and where we have all these regulations and standards, let's outsource to a, um, a, a country in the second and third world sort of aspect where the labor is cheaper. You go out to countries in Central America, South America, India. A lot of companies outsource their call centers to India. So when you're calling yes. someone – Paul is calling you, but you can understand, you can hear the accent. Oh, well, Paul sounds like he lives on the other side of the planet, and that's happened before. I because Paul, does, yeah, yeah, because yeah. I've I've called um um I have like I have cable, right? I remember I called one time a few, I think three years ago. I had an issue with um a technical issue with the internet. I called, and this loving young lady was calling all the way out from Malaysia, uh, and I called them. And I was like, wait, and this was like seven o'clock at night on the East Coast, by the way, and automatically the calls are being outsourced <laughs> all wow. across the world. So it, the labor is cheaper in other countries because the value of their dollar is um, either low is lowered considerably compared to the American dollar. Um, so yeah, that, that was, that was interesting to learn about when it, when it came to it. And also another aspect um, of reason, think about it like this too. Um, mm-hmm. Couples, you mentioned, you mentioned a uh, family member, right? Furniture and that sort of thing. It's the yeah. same with our cars. It's the same with our cell phones. It's the same with the products we consume on a daily basis. Let's say you play video games. Companies are doing annual releases every year, not to give you a better product, but to maximize off of your willingness to spend consumerism, right? Um, and there's also, I, I, I think maybe I think maybe you mentioned this before, but um, be, look up the word planned obsolescence. Um, mm. It is a philosophy where a company will make a product um, with the plans to fizzle that product out in order to compel the consumer to upgrade to a, another product. For instance, mm. cell phone. Thank you. You be- <laughs> yeah. why did- Apple is the right. biggest one out of all. So why do we buy new cell phones every year? If your old one, because they suck, right? And it's the, it's the thing they, by putting in certain components or certain software that will by 
just by comparison or by proxy make the the current product you own um unnecessary because it won't be able to keep up quote unquote with the other ones that's why cell phones come out every year you if the cell phone that you have let's say you bought a cell phone in 2015 and all the gadgetry all the circuitry the software is upgraded Mm -hmm. as you get older you shouldn't need another one for a very long time but why do you think they push those updates? Exactly. So those, with the software oh. updates and the plan obsolescence, it is to naturally goad you and push you towards consuming more, even though you don't need it. Matter of fact, another issue, um, cars. Cars made in the 1960s and 70s, whether they were American-made or imported or not, have you noticed how heavier the frames are? The, the material that went into those cars, it lasts a long time. That's why mm-hmm. people still buy them today because they know that though the upkeep Depending on your financial situation, you may be you may yeah. be able to um, you have to pay a little bit more because the parts are older. But that car is going to last a while because the amount of time it took to build those cars it was not an every year thing. But now, yeah, now cars are like aluminum <laughs> back right. up into a garbage can, yeah, and freaking dent in the in the whole bag. right. I just bought a you, you buy a twenty nineteen whatever, and then by twenty twenty one they're saying, hey, want to trade that car in? I just got this car two years ago. Why would I? So yeah, planned obsolescence. So um, mm-hmm. definitely, that's why the warranties are always like at the dealer. Right. Oh, um, <laughs> hi. Uh, yeah, your warranty's only good for the first forty-eight thousand miles. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. So you plan for me already right. that I'm only gonna have this car three years. Right. <laughs> so yeah, but but so with all these things coming into play, um, our the dynamic of how we looked at money and the perspective especially in relationships see the thing is your relationship with money is a relationship too you have to just like how we draw boundaries in our in our relationship with our, with our partners and um certain things will allow certain things where we should feel um, show more vulnerability towards the same can be said for money um if you look at money as a tool to assist you in the things that you need and nothing more you'll notice your stress level will come down a lot more when you when yeah. you stop attaching your emotions to money, you are able to have those yes. taboo conversations essentially about money in the beginning. When you speak with someone, usually, like you said, having mature conversations and said, "Hey, um, this is my financial situation right now," and and that's where it comes from. All these things come from being honest. So you say, "Hey, this is my financial situation right now. These are things that I can do. This is what I'm working towards." And like you said, having a collective vision. And if that other the other person says, oh, okay, I respect that. This is what I'm trying to do. Then you can work together and build something up. But oftentimes, we, too many people, we attach our success to how much we have in our bank accounts. Think about it, think about it like this. You look at a lot of the billionaires out there in the world. Are they wearing $250,000 gold chains on their neck? Are they driving them? Nope, I saw a picture of Michael Jordan. Sitting on the bleachers. I don't know if you see this right. picture. Wearing sweatpants. He's just in a, Wearing yeah, sweatpants. He's just in a regular outfit. <laughs> he don't even have his own Jordans <laughs> right. on. He's got some like $10 shoes from Walmart. Right. Mind like. you now, you this know is I mean? Michael Jordan, one of the greatest basketball players ever lived. Six-time champion. You, you know his whole story. Owns the Charlotte yeah. Hornets right here in North Carolina. I, I'm not too far away from the, from the stadium. Just a, a, about 15, 20-minute drive where, where I am. Dresses as if he's a regular guy that you see at Walmart in aisle six, right? Exactly. But then you see other people. But the thing is though, Michael Jordan's wealthy. He's a very, very wealthy man. 
know, he sells the most. So she owns the planet exactly, and owns yeah. a team. One of the, I think, the only black, um, only minority owner, excuse me, in the in the, in the NBA. Um, and that, hopefully that changes too. That's nuts of another day. But, um, but then you look at our your favorite rappers today. Uh, how much is that necklace? Oh, the, that chain. Oh, it's about this about quarter mil. The ring's about fifty thousand. Oh the the yes. this is the the, the the earrings in my ear is about a hundred thousand. Um, I just bought me a brand new car that I only only drive twice a month. <laughs> I got that for like half a million. So mind you, if you if you um, rough math, but if you spent almost three quarters of a million dollars on um, a little probably close to that, it would even more on wearing what you have, then is that really, is that, is that a healthy relationship you have with your money? Mm-hmm. Bill Gates owns Microsoft, one of the most uh, influential people on the planet, just as if he teaches seventh grade science. Sure. So does. you hit that one. On right. The so, so what I'm saying the only, my only reason why I bring those individuals up is to show that oftentimes our perspective of how we look at money determines our our emotional attachment to it so once if we can change our perspective on it then our emotional attachment with money our emotional vulnerability to money can also change and it can maybe um pave the way for more healthier relationships especially involving um individuals who are in it for the long term yeah and real quick just to add to that this morning my husband was on social media and he was playing this video that popped up on his feed mm-hmm. and it was a rapper talking to, um, I think he was more of like a life coach or something. And he's talking to him about a young rapper too. I think it's whiz kid or something. Mm. And he's over here bragging about how he just bought a $70,000, um, like sports car. And he's like bragging about it. Like, Oh, it's a $70,000 right. car. And the guy that's on the video with him, he's like, uh, and? Like, uh, is that supposed to mean something to Right. You? Like, you're over here spending money on something that you're never going to use. You're not going to use it. He's like, I see rappers all the time. They want to take pictures and flaunt their their uh, million-dollar mansion with their long, mile-long driveway with cars filled in. That's money sitting there. Like, that's literally money just sitting there in your driveway uh, what is you bring it doing? Up a good point it's not adding interest you know what i mean like it's not growing your mm-hmm. wealth cars depreciate faster they, than they, most things that they we depreciate buy. the moment you drive off the lot i don't know if a lot of people know yeah. that but the moment you take the car think, and drive off the lot it, yeah i think it's like 16 it goes down six just by making a right turn at the stoplight 16 yeah. percent and it's really cool that you brought up the rappers because um for a lot of people Right. Um, if you, uh, for a lot of working class people who don't have the privilege or opportunity to um, come into wealth, as a lot of people do, you know, a lot of people are self-made. A lot of people gain opportunity based on either their their mental acumen or their their skill set, either to entertain, like you said, the rappers or ath- um, their athleticism. You know, like basketball players. Yeah. You know, any pro sports player around the world. Now, for a lot of people who come from nothing, myself included. Um, you you're, you developed uh, different mindsets when it comes to money. Uh, going back to the emotional attachment thing again, um, I was homeless for long periods of time when I was a kid. I mean, I I would sleep in the parks that other kids would play in, um, right there at night, and then go to school the next day. Um, so because I've had so little, you would think, okay, well, liquid, are you going to um, hold on to all the money that you have? 
during that time in my life, though, and as I said, this is all my personal perspective, um, I found mm-hmm. contentment in other things because I had nothing to, I have no money to create that happiness for myself. So I don't, yeah. I don't have an emotional attachment to money. Um, however, um, my, my parents did. So they will both just hold on to it. It, it, and even though now there's nothing wrong with saving money and budgeting. I think that's a very responsible thing to do. And well, I think everyone should really practice that. Um, and, and, you know, and if you, if you can't, then I know someone, <clears throat> Stephanie, that can really help you, uh, help you with that. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, so we, um, and it's, and it's actually shown in, in psychological studies that individuals who come from nothing and then gain a lot of money either have a, um, compulsion to spend a lot of it yes or have a compulsion to save a lot of it and and that's one because you don't want because the thing is the psychological effects of having nothing um and not having access to money to be able to take care of the those issues it creates that mindset so too many rappers nowadays um love to wear their wealth now all this money that they made from their their given abilities they're wearing it it doesn't really give you any sort of value. However, there was a rapper, and you know he's no longer with us, that passed away, um, that was murdered. Excuse me, a couple of years ago, Nipsey Hussle. He preached. Oh, he preached man. different philosophies when it came to. Now he was a very well-off man. Yeah, I've had him a lovely family, lovely uh, wife and kid. Um, he actually went back into the neighborhood he grew up in to try and increase yes. the value of the neighborhood with his uh, marathon store. Um, he spoke about. Uh, real estate and investing in land and using investing your your money into different avenues to let the money work for you because you don't want the thing is you don't want to become let money become the master to you because when you let money rule everything yes. that you do unfortunately you and I'm sure it's, you've seen a lot of people who have gone so far um, for the pursuit of money your ethics start to decline as well your moral compass uh, yep. starts to decline um Think about it like this: If there, if there was equal access to money, would would there be any crimes committed? Would people rob or, or or steal just to to make ends meet? Yeah, they wouldn't have a reason unless they just exactly to, like, a thrill out of there. You go the actual exactly. Crime. So mm-hmm. yeah, and then of course it goes into a lot of other um, aspects of discussions as far as like, well, are people getting paid for what they really do? Are you getting the most value for your skill set? I'm, I'm sure you're going to cover that. The, you're the expert between the two of us, so I'll let you. I'll let you. I'll let you cover that one. But yes, so you have you have like I said two t- two different types of mindsets: individuals who wear their wealth and other individuals who actually diversify their wealth. So that's that's something and, you know. To, I want to piggyback. Yeah, sure. Because you mentioned something, and I got my I got the wheels. Okay, on. greasing the wheels. That's all. That's all right. I do. I grease the wheels and allow you, the individual, you know, however you consume what I say in order to continue. So this is cool. Go for it. Well, you'll be a, you'll be a good counselor. Because- <laughs> Um, that's how you get people <laughs> right <laughs> that's all i'm here to do future ahead of you my yeah friend. um so when you mentioned about you know if not just being homeless but like when people come into money mm-hmm. when they previously didn't have yep. it and they had a humongous deficit of it i can understand why people would want to hold on to it because i think it's that fear, yeah of, like, of, go, oh, of going of going back I to it no yeah like i know what that was, I don't want to go back right. to that. Like, 
it's that that instilling that fear in themselves and not to say that that's right or wrong i mean that's a good motivation but at the same time fear also leads to stress yep. and i think overall we have to embrace making sure that our communities our families loved ones understand just the basics of life. yes nobody's saying you got to go and invest everything tomorrow like me um i don't really have any investments personally because i feel like there was other things that i needed to technically quote unquote invest in right <laughs> first i'm my own investment you know i want to see myself flourish so like i'm investing what i have into myself because i believe in myself so i want to take care of me first before i give bitcoin or gamestop or uh tesla right more money you know what i mean like yeah. i want to be able to make sure that i'm okay my family's okay first and then start investing i mean i have a real estate property um you know i would love to start flipping houses and stuff eventually that would be another uh investment option opportunity but there's different ways to grow your wealth right. and it doesn't have to be so intimidating and it doesn't have to stress you out like, oh, my gosh, like I got to I got to watch Nasdaq at four o'clock when the market closes. And no, it's OK. You don't have to go that route. That's a good route to go to if you're savvy and have somebody in your corner that knows the lingo. But you don't have to do that to build your wealth, saving your money, putting it towards something that you care about, investing in other things like real estate real estate's a huge one you can make really good money off of real estate but you know what's what's not funny to me like ironic right ironic. yeah so i don't know if you're familiar with like the different generations like generation x millennials baby i i, I i'm familiar like with it but um um because uh i'm told the the line keeps going shifting back and forth on what a millennial is. I thought millennials were born at yeah. the millennium, like 2000 on, but then they say, no, millennials is, you know, further back. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. But, you know, let's like say. Technically, they say, like, millennials, I think, are like 88 to like 2000. Yeah, but I thought millennials was born in from 2000 since that's the new millennium. Yeah. 2000 years, right? I thought you would think that mm -hmm. would be, by the definition of the word, you would think that is the one. But, but, as I said, I don't know. I, I know I know the terms, but like I said, where the line starts and ends, it gets so blurred. Like with everything, like with everything nowadays. Well, too many things nowadays. So I know. So there's a there was a study, and they said that 41 percent of divorced Generation X um, individuals. So Generation X, for those who don't know, is anybody born between 1965 and 1980. So those people now will be in their know, 40s like, at least. Uh, 40s and and mm -hmm. up. So there were 41% of them said that they ended their marriage due to disagreements about money. 29% mm. of baby boomers also said the same thing. So baby boomers are those that were born, um, I think it was post civil, like post, post, not civil 50s. war, excuse me, post World War II. Yeah, World War II. <laughs> yep, exactly. So when you think about that, we're not talking about, you know, just the young kids that are, are, you know, four years out of college. And, you know, we technically say that they may be a little bit more immature. So maybe that's why they're fighting about money. Mm -hmm. No, this affects everybody. Now, more than one um, third of millennials that are currently in relationships will argue at least once a week about money. But when you look at the bigger picture, an uh, argument can lead to divorce if it keeps happening. 
settle the issue now and stop being scared to talk about this before you jump into a relationship you know so, like yeah because I, I wanted i wanted to ask um it's, it's just from the financial aspect so what do you what, what what do you think is causing the argument do you think it's the not having enough access to the money or is it financial do you think it's more financial literacy like maybe someone is um and these all these things are you know could contribute to it but do you think someone is spending irresponsibly to where it's that, taking away yep. i know personally i've had some friends who have you know they weren't married or anything like that but they've broken up because of money where um uh, the the girlfriend wanted to spend more than the boyfriend's willing to give. And I've also yes. seen to where the girlfriend wanted to save more than the boyfriend was willing to contribute. Um, and, they, and these were, and these mm-hmm. were people who were cohabit- cohabitating together. These weren't just, you know, I come see you, you come see me. They were in a dwelling together and money. Some unfortunately is the wedge that creates that divide. Um, and so that's what going back to, as I said before, you know, changing, changing perspective, allows people to come together and see things from the other side so i think the blame game is huge yes because no one wins that game by the way uh, we like to do like <laughs> like you know like liquid why do you keep spending money on this and this right and, this and, this? <laughs> and then you're gonna naturally have resentment towards me because now i keep bringing this up to right you and you're like oh my gosh like stephanie won't stop yeah like this. you know like, why how am i supposed to go to bed at night and be peaceful wake up in the morning and be okay <laughs> when she keeps talking about right it. and it's like that natural resentment like people don't realize that you keep playing the blame mm-hmm. game but you're not coming up with a solution exactly. come up with a solution but look i'm to, to be real with you before you jump into any relationship, right? What's one of the top things that people tend to talk about? Oh, do you want to have kids? Like, you know, like, what are your plans? Right. Like, you want a family? Like, what, you know, what do you see stuff uh, in five money. years? Yeah, it's all money-based. Money should be talked yeah. about. You know, like, we got to talk about money in these situations. And it's not to say, like, hey, Liquid, how much are you worth? Like what? What's your bank account status right, right. now? Right. Like no, that that's a little bit weird. right. A little invasive. Actually, it actually does. It makes yeah. you a little more defensive. So a question, exactly. a question you can ask is um, that that I've seen um, that actually allows individuals to show more vulnerability and show more honesty in regards to this aspect. Instead of saying what's your bank account looking like, because it because it creates the wrong, it raises the red flag that you're after something when you ask a very mm-hmm. um, pointed question like that. Exactly. Them. Yeah. So. Um, we often ask people, um, or well-informed people often ask the person that they're potentially going to see down the road, well, what's your relationship like with, if you're spiritual with God, or if you, if they're family-oriented, what's your relationship like with your parents? You could ask that same question when it comes to money. Instead, So instead of saying what's your bank account looking like, you can say, what's your philosophy on money, or what's your relationship with money? Or what kind of relationship do you have with money? And then that individual, because it allows the individual to think, of course, before you know responding, they'll say, "Hmm, what's my relationship with money?" I think it's necessary because that's the way we measure. Um, you know, that's how we get our goods or services is through money in some form or fashion, whether it's through digital or paper money. Or you can say your philosophy um, allows you to explore the individual's mindset, where you can say, where, um, for instance, I'm sure your philosophy on money um, is va- is vastly different from a typical person because of 
the all the uh, experiences that you've had personally and the fact that you've um, had a vested interest in learning about not just how it circulates, but how to um, manage it and, and so on and so forth. My philosophy, yeah. because I've had so little of it growing up, because I have more access to it now, I coexist with it rather than have a need emotionally for it. I don't attach my emotional needs to that. Yeah, I, it, it does allow me to go on vacation every so often and it allows me to, you know, have the, you know, tools I need around the house and that sort of thing. But I, my contentment comes from all the other aspects that money cannot provide. So whenever you're just, just a little quick life, ta- life tackle real quick. So do not ask an individual about how much money they have. Ask them about their exactly. philosophy and their relationship towards it. And it, it creates a, it creates a very solid foundation for hopefully um, very, uh, objective and honest discussions yeah and even also too saying something as simple as so like what are your money goals like where do you see yourself in five five years? right hopefully alive because the same thing (laughs) yeah exactly but like you think about it like i think back to when i when i you know was dating and stuff like Mm. that and it's like you want to talk about like all right well where do you see yourself you know what 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 career path do you want to go like so we're talking about careers. Right. We're talking about jobs. We're talking about, oh, like you want to buy a house, you want to become a homeowner, where would you move to? Mm-hmm. Like that that's great. That's good substance to know because you want to be in tune with the person you're potentially going to be with. You do. Yeah. But bring up the money because spending habits and debt are two of the top financial arguments. Why why are you spending $200 on that purse? You know, we could like, pay three bills with that. You know, that could have went towards this or that could have went towards the food bill. Right. And looking at credit card statements, you see your spouse, they got $15,000 in credit card debt. You might not have any. And now what happens? Now you feel stuck. Now you now you feel like, oh, my gosh, like now I'm stressed out because I saw his or her credit card bill and we're married. So now I feel like I'm responsible for that which technically you kind of are because you're married and that puts a lot of strain on a relationship. So stop. we got to stop saying that money is a taboo subject. One, two, stop thinking that you can't talk about it because you can't. And honestly speaking, if somebody's not comfortable about speaking about it, it might cause a red flag. It might raise a red flag. It might make you wonder, Hmm, uh, maybe let's pump the brakes a little bit. Or it could genuinely be that somebody's just, you know, embarrassed or don't want to really talk about it. But again, it's not to be super invasive, but it's just to have a general conversation. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And so in order to, you know, get to the, I guess, because the whole point of asking questions is to hopefully understand and not judge. But if you're if you're asking a a potential partner or if you're asking your partner um, after, you know, dating for a while, okay, I would like to broach the subject of money. You know, mm-hmm. asking questions that allows them to get get the feeling or at least understand that you're asking to understand so that you can hopefully come together and build something born of um, your philosophies and your experiences and your skill sets rather than just say, hey, <laughs> oh, you know, jumping right into it because because um, uh, cultural upbringing, um, other influences have attached, as I said, uh, confidence, self-esteem. Um, success yep. mm-hmm. to money rather than Absolutely. other than other intangibles um 
and that we hopefully we can cha- get the dynamic going to where we can change that. But a lot of people do look down on you when you don't make enough money. A lot of people do look down on you um, when the fact that you aren't able to make as much money as you would like. Now, even though you may have the the mental fortitude to do so, but maybe not the opportunity. And sometimes you got to go into another industry or another sector in order to um, make money. There's a lot of people. Think about it like this. There are people who deliver pizzas for a living but have PhDs. Mm. There are people mm-hmm. there are people who are in positions Ooh. of CEOs but don't don't know but don't know the first thing about business. If you okay. looked at it if you just looked at those people though and say, "Well, that person delivers pizzas or works at a local fast food joint, they're not successful because they're not making a lot of money." But then you look at the CEOs who are horrible business people but yet make a lot of money. At that point, what do you say then? Are they? Do you still consider them successful people? Good yeah, point. that's a good yeah. point. That's valid. See, I like this. We can have more episodes of this because I like having good concrete conversations. Yeah, same here. A good substance. Yeah. So seriously, you know, to to wrap this up, like I really want to say thank you first of all for for coming on the show because. Uh, I think a lot of people need to hear these conversations. We need to make this the norm. We need to be able to encourage people that it's okay. You could have a genuinely healthy, open conversation about money and not let it intimidate you and then let that flourish into your relationship. Right. You know, let that talk. You know, if you got to warm up with a friend first and say, hey, look, like, Let's talk about some money topics. And then from there, kind of just be like, okay, you know what? I'm talking to this guy. We just started dating. Mm-hmm. Let me get comfortable. Start warming up. But you're only going to start moving the dial on that when when you start making the changes in yourself to be able to open up to that. No, 100%. So, um, you'll, you'll, get the, you'll go after the results you want once you're willing. And I say that. I put emphasis on willing. Once you're willing to yep. entertain a perspective or philosophy that is exists outside of your own established one. So be willing to listen, um, especially, and this goes for a lot of people who are couples out there, be willing to listen to the other person and understand rather than to judge. So, Absolutely. So where can our listeners and our followers uh Reach you. Oh wow! It's that time. This oh wow. Okay, I'm on the other side of this now. Okay, well, everyone, if you <laughs> want, if you want to, if you found yourself entertained or at least um, intrigued by some of the things that I was saying today, then you can um, find more topics like this um, where I get my take and collaborate with other individuals like Steph over here um, on my podcast, Liquid, Liquid Wisdom Podcast. You can find it on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are distributed. Just type in Liquid Wisdom Podcast and you'll see it. Um, it's, it's on the cover art, so you'll you'll know which one it is. And if you will want to follow some of, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm active on Twitter. It's um, My at is at Formless Liquid. It's an oxymoron, of course, but um F O R M L E S S L I Q U I D. And um, you can also follow my uh, podcast page on Instagram at liquid underscore wisdom underscore podcast. All right, cool. <laughs> well, thank you again, Liquid, for coming. No, on. no problem. We really appreciate no it. Problem. It was a good conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Truly, truly yeah. humble. Like, seriously, this, this is really cool to be um, 
you know, having such an awesome conversation with an awesome person who who gives who gives a crap. That that's the key. Caring. <laughs> oh, yeah, thank you. Thank Seriously. You. Hey, there's got to be more people like us to make to make a, a positive change in society. Yeah. So. Actually, I'll I'll leave I'll leave it on I'll leave it on this right. You want to know how powerful a drop of water is? Tell me. A water a, a droplet of water is so powerful that when you let's say you drop it in the middle of the ocean or the middle of the middle of the lake, you can see initially the impact that drop of water has when you see the ripple effect, it goes in every direction. But did you know that based on science and physics, that once you stop seeing the ripple effects physically, that it goes to the opposite ends of the lake and comes back to the center? Oh, wow. Yeah. Never knew yeah. That. So that's, that's intriguing. So wow. when you, when it comes to making change, whether it's in life, relationships, money in this case, or anything that you do, all it takes is one person to start and then let the ripple effects of their actions start to spread out and affect other people. Mm, I felt that. <laughs> I felt that one. Definitely. I definitely <laughs> agree with that one. That's awesome. No problem. Well, hey, thank you. This has been an awesome episode. And um, for those of you listening, you know, please stay tuned to all of our, you know, episodes coming up. We always talk about money, talk about business, relationships, you name it, because money is something that we all can relate to. So, again, always make sure to like, follow, share these episodes. Never know who in your circle may benefit from hearing the information we have to share. And all of our social media handles is Two Cents Money. That's T-W-O, cents like common sense, money. And our website, www.twocentsmoney.com. I look forward to talking to you guys again. And uh, stay savvy, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace.